1: I love worshiping here with you all. Thank you, praise team. That was great. And I love sitting down here and hearing all the great voices behind me, knowing that you're flooding me out. That's good. Um, One thing, speaking of voices behind me, There's a few people in the back. If you don't mind, there's maybe some seats between you and the person that you may not even know next to you. Why don't you scoot in, get to know them and say, hey, we're going to make room for the little bit on the aisle. So if you can, if you can scoot in a little bit further, it looks like we've got some people coming in still, but glad that you're here to worship with us. It's been great already. Um, Actually, Ken picked the sermon title out. He said, Jeff, would you be willing to speak on the 15th and um, I said sure but help me out this boat thing because in Jesus time boats were like that was essential to a fisherman and for boats to be you know you'd be for you ask a fisherman to come out of his boat that's uh, that's a lot to ask <laughs> because you could mend nets, you could splice ropes, you could, Even in the case of Peter, and we'll find out later, you can even expend some of your outer clothing too. But boats were their life. They were livelihood. And in some respects, especially in a storm, they might even be their salvation. So to say, follow me out of the boat is a big ask. So I I did some work. It was fun. It was a good study. And I want to take you along with me. Um, Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we are so glad to be here. Not just because we enjoy being around people that we know and love and being able to sing, but we get a chance to, in a sense, find a renewed, again, experience with you today that we can take through another week. So we pray that you would be not only in the music that we sing, words that we hear, but we pray that you would be in the experience that we have. We pray this in your name. Amen. So my wife and I were um, actually about five years ago, right actually before COVID. I kind of time everything that way, don't we? We were on a tour with the pastors in Florida, and we were in the Holy Land. And one of the highlights of the trip was a little museum near Capernaum. And in this museum, it housed what is known as the Jesus Boat. Now, this is actually an authentic boat from the first century. They date it back to that, and it's well-preserved. The reason why it's all so well-preserved is they found it literally under the muck of the Galilean Sea, and or the Sea of Tiberias now. But it, it was pulled out, they found it, and it was really well-preserved, but now they keep it in a very controlled climate room. And you can see that Even though a lot of it is rotted, the form of those sides is pretty shallow. And I was walking around it thinking, wow, that is a really shallow boat. Great for throwing nets, maybe, but not not so great in the middle of a storm. And I couldn't help but think about the storm that Matthew talks about. We've read it probably more times than you can count you might've even, those of you that are parents might've read that story to your children. And we know the story. It's the story where the disciples are in the boat and the storm's crashing around the boat. They're petrified that they're gonna lose their lives. And then as if, as if to make matters even harder to deal with, they see this, this man walking on the water towards them. And he calls out, he says, and you, you know the, the words, it is I, do not be afraid. And... Um, And Peter, of all people, stands up and he says, Lord, if it's you, call me out. And so it's not too hard to walk over the sides of this boat, is it? And Peter walks out. And depending on which way you want to take the lesson for whoever you're talking to, maybe Peter takes a couple steps and then he turns around in pride thinking, hey, guys, (laughs) look at me. Or you spin it another way and you say, but then he realized, he kind of came to his senses and realized he's in the middle of a storm, waves are crashing, and all of a sudden he loses sight of Jesus, but either way, he sinks. And he cries out for God to save him, and Jesus reaches down, pulls him up, and while he's pulling him up, he's saying, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt and then the two of them walk back into the boat, and the storm is calmed. It's a great story. It's not quite how it reads in Matthew, but that's pretty close to how we usually share that story. And I got to thinking about that story, and if you were like me, you kind of like, that's not really fair, right? I mean, why does Peter get called out and thrown under the boat, so to speak, for not having faith when the rest of the guys are chickening out in the boat. They never even stepped out, right? So what, what's the deal with that? And so Peter gets called, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Where the rest of the disciples are going, keep our mouths shut. We're not, we're not doing that. And then there's another part of this that kind of wonder about is, doesn't Jesus see this happening? It's Peter. Uh, impetuous, brash Peter, who does a lot of things without thinking, and he steps out of the boat. Doesn't Jesus know that? I mean, no man ever in the history of mankind has ever walked on water. He never gave him any instructions. Mm, he might fail his first time around. And then, why would you call somebody out of a boat? in the middle of a storm. So I was going through those questions in my mind and I thought, interesting, how do the other, because there's actually, this story is mentioned two other times in the gospels, one by Mark and one by John. Neither of them talk about this story of Peter. Neither of them do, only Matthew. So I thought, well, let's, let's take a look at this story. So, In John chapter six, now John has the luxury of talking about all of this some 20 plus years later. John is one of the last books to be written in the New Testament. I think second only to his first, second and third, John. So John is our last voice that we get. Also, you obviously heard Revelation, but most scholars think that John, the gospel of John came after Revelation. So John's putting in not only the last word, but he's also able to add some things that maybe he recalls and thinks needs to be put in. So John's account of this same story is a different picture, not just a small bedtime story picture, but a much broader picture a picture that includes stories that Matthew and Mark both include, but he includes them as one continuous story. So John's story starts off with the death of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. Then it goes from there into the sermon that Jesus preaches on that hillside where all of a sudden he realizes they're all pretty hungry and he feeds these 5,000 plus people. And then right after the 5,000 are fed, something else John includes that nobody else does. But let's read it. So in um, in John chapter 6, it says, when evening came, the disciples went out to the sea. This is the part that is comparable to where we just read, or we just said. They got into a boat and started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It was already dark, and Jesus had still not come back to them. Kind of like people already know this story. And so John's including, and by the way, Jesus hasn't showed up. I know you know that he's coming, but he hasn't showed up yet. And then the sea was getting rough and rising high, became strong and strong because strong winds were blowing. Then when they had rowed three or four miles and were near the center of the sea, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, approaching the boat, and they were terribly frightened. But Jesus said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they were willing to take him on the boat, aboard the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore and the land which they were going. No mention of Peter, no walking on the water for Peter. He's completely left out. And I thought, why is John leaving this part out? Is it because John might, at that time, 25 years later in the early church, is there something that John wants to tell us that wasn't, in Matthew or Mark's account. And so I said, let's follow, let's follow John a little bit more. So we have to go back. Let's go back a little bit further to that time when Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And now there's a group of people coming away from that who are going, this is monumental. Do you realize what this guy can do for us? And this is what happens. It says in verse 15, same chapter. Then Jesus, knowing that they were going to come and take him by force to make him king, with, he withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. Neither of the other gospel writers talk about this, but John makes it very clear that Jesus was up against a bunch of people trying to get him in their boat, wanting Jesus to follow their plan pushing their agenda. And so Jesus walks away up to the hillside, maybe to mourn the death of his cousin, but the disciples get in the boat and that's where we lead into that other story of the disciples on the boat. It's part of a continuous narrative. I I had a boat when I was in uh, fifth grade. It really wasn't my boat. My dad, you know, whenever he got things, I kind of thought it was mine too. And he had gotten it in some kind of a trade or maybe he had, but, but either way, there was no way that boat was ever going to see water because my dad hated water. As a matter of fact, I don't think I ever saw my dad in any water deeper than his ankles, ever. Seriously, never. And, and, and so I knew that playing with the boat and riding in the boat was going to be behind the garage in the backyard. And so... I would always go back there and I would tell my friends, I've got a boat. It's so cool. And they're all like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But word got out to some of the upper graders. When I was fifth grade and still in the lower grade room. There was an upper grade room. And one of the seventh graders, Brian, Brian was cool. I mean, if you had Brian as your friend, it was smooth sailing from then on. And so Brian comes over and he goes, hey, I hear you got a boat. I go, Yeah. I said, you want to ride in it? And he goes, yeah. So that afternoon after school, he follows me home to my house. And I'm thinking, I got it made. Brian is following me home. And so he walks with me over to the house and by the garage. And then we walk to the back. And he goes, oh, that is cool. I said, yeah, it's cool, right? Uh, you want to you ride it? And he goes, what? I go, you want to ride it? And I jump in the boat and I got my hands on the steering wheel. And he goes, no, what are you doing? A boat's supposed to be on water, not on a trailer in the back of your garage. And I said, I know, but this is, this is cool. Come on. And then his face got kind of confused and long. And then he just turned around and walked away. And I thought, if I could have just gotten him in the boat, he would have known how cool it was to be in a boat in the backyard. <sighs> that, uh, that next weekend, I got a... Well, actually, my parents got a call from Brian's parents. And they said, by the way, is Jeff available? We'd like to go out on the boat on Sunday. We're going to take him out to, uh, to a boat ride. And it was the first time I'd ever been on a boat on a lake. And I realized... <laughs> why Brian's face was so long. I realized that being in the backyard on my boat wasn't all that cool. I didn't need to put Brian in my boat. But that's sort of what's going on here. These guys had high designs for Jesus. They were going to make him do the things that they had great plans for. And Jesus is going, I'm not getting in your boat. And he walks up the hill. Now, this is a great side for John to pick up on because he does. Actually, if you read, listen to what it, how this reads in the next part. This is just the last part of that narrative that we were just talking about that John brings in that was comparable to the, to the part that Matthew and Mark had ta- had said. But Jesus said to them, he says, It is, I, don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take him on board the boat. The word that John uses is thelo. It's a Greek word that means willing or accepting or desirous or longing. Matthew uses this same word. In Matthew 23 where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have, and there's that word, how often I have longed for you to gather you, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. That longing. And you start to see that John's trying to help us understand that even though we have designs for Jesus, Jesus has designs for us. And it's starting to come clear that John, this is John's way of saying, all of you think that you are better when you are doing your thing and you tag Jesus along with you just to make it look good. Jesus is not that kind of God. He's not getting in your boat. So now you see that not only does he, possibly in John's narrative, not get in the boat, but possibly the boat becomes completely irrelevant because the next thing that happens after they're willing, look what happens. The boat immediately, we'll go back to that. The boat immediately is on the shore. No need for a boat, no need for a storm. The boat is on the shore. As I looked at that and I thought, man, this is incredible. This is, the, this is the, maybe the time that John is trying to get his people. Maybe the early church has lost a little bit of their first love. And John's longing to have his people understand Jesus the way he understood him. I... Um, I went backpacking about, uh, oh, man, it was about 20 years ago. (laughs) And I was backpacking on the American River. I was doing a sabbatical that I had. And I thought, well, if I'm on the American River, I'm going to do what the American River was kind of known for. And that's where the gold rush started. Those of you that maybe don't know about the gold rush, it happened in 1849. Why wouldn't you remember that? (laughs) But it happened on the American River. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna go get a pan. So I got a pan, and this is actually the pan. And I got a pan, and I went backpacking, and I thought, I'm gonna take a couple days, I'm gonna go gold panning. So I sat in the middle of the American River, and I did what I thought I needed to do, take dirt, push it in my pan, and then, you know, kind of go through, see if I can find any gold. I got, I was really excited. The first hour or two, I was pretty anxious. Probably shaking out a bunch of stuff that I didn't, you know, but I got a little better at it and get a little better at it. And people would come by and they're going, How are you doing? And I go, Well, still working on mostly just mud right now. But they, you know, they'd come by. By the way, there's a guy down at base camp. His name is Sam. And he's he's kind of written some books on gold panning. You might want to talk to him. I'll say, sure, thanks for the heads up. And so keep panning. More people pass by. There's this guy, by the way, Sam? Yeah, he's written some books on, okay, thanks. I'm, I'm still kind of in my own thing. And I'm shaking a little bit later on, I'm realizing I'm not getting anything. There's nothing on the bottom of my pan. So towards the end of the day and enough people have walked by, Finally, this lady comes by, and she's wearing a wetsuit and a Batman belt kind of thing. And she says, hey, how are you doing? And I go, yeah, not great. And he goes, well, yeah, I know. There's a Sam guy down at the camp, and he's written books on this. And he, he, he's my husband. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to disparage you. <laughs> your husband. It's just everybody knows about this guy and I don't. And I'm sitting here, you know, with no gold in my pan. She goes, you know what? Come on down to the camp. He'd be delighted to talk to you. I said, okay. I thought that was a pretty decent invitation. So I wasn't really doing anything that night. I wasn't, you know, counting any gold money or anything like that. (laughs) So I went down to his little area where he was camped and there they were all centered around the fire and sitting around and and I I, I kind of walked in. I saw I saw the, the the lady who had walked by with her wetsuit, and she goes, "Oh, honey, this is the guy that was on the river that didn't find any gold at all." <laughs> uh, and I said, "My name is Jeff, and um, you're Sam." He goes, "Yeah, yeah. Have a seat." And we talked about. Finding gold, and apparently he's not only written books on gold panning. He's written books on, books on sleuthing and d- desert mining and gold. Fi- he found he finds gold everywhere. And I'm going, and I, you know, I spent all day, and I got you know rocks mostly. And so he he said no. He says you know to be honest with you, this river has panned out so much. You really need to do what we call sniping. I go okay. I I had learned about snipe hunts and pathfinders, and those were like always a joke. So I thought he was kind of pulling my leg a little bit, but it actually is a thing. So he said, why don't you come with me the next morning? Come with me the next morning and I'll go with you. We'll find gold. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This is way too cool. He's just gonna go with me. And he doesn't even know me, but apparently everybody else has told about me. And so he was felt comfortable. (laughs) So I didn't even sleep that night because I'm thinking, I'm waking up to find gold. This is really cool. So I woke up really early, even before the sun was up, because I didn't want to miss him, because he said he wanted to go early. And I, I knocked on his, his little trailer camper, and, and his wife answered the door and she goes, Uh, yeah, he, Sam's gone. And I go, Oh, man, I knew I missed it. She goes, He's picking berries. Oh, okay, yeah, he, he wants to make a berry pie tonight. He wants to try out a stove, a camp stove or a camp oven that he's invented. And I go, he's invented a camp oven too? <laughs> okay, and so I, I go, and right before I leave, she says, and by the way, ask him about what his real passion is. And I thought, ah, am I getting into something here? I don't, you know, I don't know, but I, I, okay, I'll ask him. And so I walked into the bear, this berry patch area. He's picking berries. He says, this is a real labor of love. And he's getting all scratched up and I'm getting scratched up. We're picking berries. But he says, you know, tonight we're not just gonna have gold. We're gonna have berry pie. And I go, yeah, that's great. I said, by the way, uh, your wife asked me to ask. And you know, what's, what's, your, what's your passion? Apparently it's not gold. And he goes, oh wow, yeah, you can find gold is just heavy metal. I go, okay. So <laughs> nice way to look at it, I guess. He said, but my real passion is music. I love music. I not only just love music, I love helping other people make music. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He said, I had a factory, I've sold it, but now I'm making guitars and drums that you can take with you on a backpack trip. I go, really? He goes, yeah. He says, I don't know. Have you heard of Taylor Guitars? I go, yeah, I have heard of Taylor Guitars. I play guitar, and I love Taylor Guitars. And he said, I taught Bob Taylor how to make guitars. And I go, are you kidding me? And he goes, no, no, no. He was working in my factory. He wanted to learn, and I kept showing him every little... He learned how to make guitars and then he bought my factory and now I'm out making these go guitars. And so he brought me over that evening while we were eating berry pie and he says, I want you to take a look at this. What do you think? And I looked at the guitar and I thought, wow, this is really cool. He says, it doesn't have quite the sound of a regular guitar, but you can take it and it's got the same action as a Taylor guitar. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, you can take this with you wherever you go. What do you think? And I was more impressed with the fact that he wanted my opinion than I was even in the guitar. I loved the guitar, but I thought, this is really cool. And we sat around that evening not talking about the gold we found because we did find gold. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was we wanted to be there for music, and we were all started playing music around the fire. It was more valuable than any nugget of piece of gold that I had in my pan by that time. My wife heard about that story when I got home. She called Sam on the phone and she said, by the way, my, my husband had a great time with you. Is, 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 you talking about Jeff? Yes. Yeah, that was fun. She goes, I would be delighted if you were to make him a guitar, one of your go guitars. I'd like to give it to him for his birthday. And he goes, I would love to do that. And so he made that guitar, sent it to my wife. And I realized that guitar is far more valuable. Okay, he's not making guitars anymore, so it's kind of a collector's item now. But it's also a really well-made guitar. But that's not why I love it. The reason I love it is because it reminds me of that moment that I had on that river where all of a sudden I realized gold was not anything more important than being with somebody that started to appreciate you for who you are. That was so important to me. So as I, as I looked at this story, I realized that John is looking back and he ends, he ends his gospel with sort of a, what I think is a final ending piece to the story because this time he includes Peter. It's the last chapter of John's book, chapter 21. Disciples, again, out on the sea. This time they're in Peter's boat. It's very clear. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And then the others say, well, we'll come along. And there's a bunch of disciples on this boat. They fished all night, not one thing. There's the boat, same kind of deal. We paddled all night, still in the middle of the lake, got nowhere. Fished all night, got nowhere. No fish, not one. And then they're coming into shore. And as they're coming into shore, somebody on the shore yells out and says, Hey, how are you doing? Not good. We have nothing in our boat. Nothing. And he yells out, put your net on the right side of the boat. Just try it maybe from the sound of his voice, because if it were me and I was fishing all night long and somebody said, oh, by the way, try it on the other side of the boat, like we hadn't done that before. (laughs) But they did it. And it was like every fish in the sea couldn't get into that net fast enough. And they were pulling, and as they were pulling that net into the boat, Peter hears John say, I think that's our Lord. And now, brash, impetuous Peter doesn't sit there and keep pulling, but he's not as brash. John paints him actually in a different picture. It says he grabs his clothes. Okay, his outer garment, meaning he was probably kind of fishing in his underwear, so to speak. But he grabs his clothes and he puts them on because he realizes his condition, not just his condition, but he realizes where he stands. But even in a boat that is filled with fish, he realizes that that is not life, that life waits for him on the shore. And he jumps in the water and he sw- not walks. He swims towards Jesus and Jesus is there on the shore, bread and fish already cooking on the fire, a warm fire that all the disciples get a chance to be a part of. And Jesus invites us the same exact way, and that's his love. Yes, he'll fill our boats. He'll even walk alongside of us and help calm some of those storms. But in the whole context of everything, that's not Jesus' passion. His passion is that he is with us always. That's Jesus' passion. And all he asks us to do is jump out of the boat.
0: All right.
2: Well. This is normally the time in the service where we get to uh, answer your questions live, but we do have a potluck today, so we're (laughs) we're a little bit out of time, we're already over time, but we still have uh, Ken, Kyla, and Taylor here, uh, and I would like them to at least ask one question or tease one for the podcast, uh, if you guys don't mind, go for it. Well, we uh, we had a couple questions come in for you, Jeff, so we'll have to ask them in the podcast, but... uh, we and I'm I'm working on getting. We actually have somebody off camera who didn't want to be on camera, so I decided to go ahead and uh, try to get a question from that person. But we'll see what happens later. In fact, he was so worried he just got up and walked away. He was afraid we were going to turn it towards him. But, wait <laughs> So we're having a good time here at Southern Adventist University. I just want to say another thank you to Southern Adventist University School of Journalism and Communication for letting us use their studio. It's really generous of them to let us be here. It's been a lot of fun. So. Uh, thank you, guys, and, uh, and we'll get to that stuff in the podcast, right, Jeff? We'll do it. We'll do it. Sounds so, like fun. It sounds like we're letting you off the hook really easy today. I that. really <laughs> like that, actually. <laughs> but uh, So if you have questions, feel free to email them to podcast at wholelife.church, and the podcast is called This is Whole Life, and it's available everywhere that podcasts are heard. And it comes out every Wednesday morning like clockwork. And so I know that there were some questions left over from first service and definitely some from this service. So make sure you check it out and you can worship with us all week long. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, make sure that you get those questions in. And it's always more fun to answer a question. We have some preamble, preempted, I should say, on those questions. But... I just want to thank you so much for being here. It's been, it's been great to worship alongside of you. Next week, we have two services that are not identical. Next week, first service, Ken will be speaking about follow me out of Jerusalem. And then Chaplain Barry Black will be here as part of our um, Adminous Health University's baccalaureate, and he'll be speaking about following, follow me out of doubt. You'll want to get here early, just telling you. But right now, right after this service, right now, they're getting ready for you. We're having a whole church potluck. You're all invited. And let me have prayer with you before we go. Father, thanks so much for this time, for your love, and for your passion to be wanting us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a good rest of your Sabbath.
2: Hey, online family, just want to thank you so much for being a part of the uh, broadcast today. Wherever you're at, you're part of the family. Um, Me, up at Southern Adventist University in Tennessee with my daughter, Kyla, friend, Taylor, and uh, other friends as well. And we just want you to know that no matter where you are, you're part of the family. That's why we do the online broadcast. So be sure to tune in again next week uh, when I'll be speaking for first service. And then we have uh, James Black, um, who, I'm sorry, I said James Black. A um, chaplain, Black, U.S. Senate chaplain, who is uh, going to be uh, speaking for our second service, it's going to be fantastic. So make sure you're part of both of those services. Until then, we'll see you. But remember, I love you. You'll love your world.
0: Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church. And our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the whole life takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast.